River Valley, with an emphasis on estate planning, estate administration, elder law, and real property matters. RourkeLaw.com Welcome to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dole. And coming up in this program, we'll be checking in with Wayne County, as we often do on a Thursday. But this time, Wayne County commissioners are focusing on and communicating to people what it is that county government actually does. We'll have Brian Smith, chairman of the Wayne County Commissioners, on in the second half of the program. We also check in with Sandra Johnson Fields, president of the Sullivan County chapter NAACP, talking about what's the latest with the chapter and what does Black History Month mean at this point right now in 2023. But first, let's get things started with some of the latest news out of Albany. Republicans in the state Senate are filing a lawsuit to force a vote of the full Senate on Governor Kathy Hochul's nominee for the state's next chief judge. That nominee is Hector LaSalle. LaSalle was rejected by the Senate Judiciary Committee last month. Senior Albany correspondent Karen DeWitt has more. The Senate Judiciary Committee, which is dominated by Democrats who hold the majority in the chamber, rejected LaSalle by a 2-10 to vote following a five-hour hearing. Opponents, including several leading Democratic senators, said they believed LaSalle was too conservative and that they want to see the high court change direction to become more liberal. The six Republicans on the committee voted, along with one Democrat, to advance LaSalle's name from the committee, but without recommendation. At the time, Senate Majority Leader Andre historic cousin said she believed that the Senate had fulfilled its duties under the state's constitution. It's clear that this nominee was rejected and that's it. But Governor Hochul, who is also a Democrat, disagreed. She said she believes that the constitution requires all 63 senators to vote. The constitution in the state of New York is clear. New York State Senate has to advise and consent the governor on her appointment. Republicans in the Senate sided with Hochul. Now the ranking Republican on the committee, Senator Anthony Palumbo, has filed a lawsuit in state Supreme Court in Suffolk County on Long Island. Palumbo, in a statement, says the Judiciary Committee serves only as an advisory body to the rest of the Senate and that the state's constitution requires that the full Senate must cast a vote. Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort said in January that his GOP conference was not going to rush to judgment regarding the nominee. And they believe he should get a hearing and a a floor vote. A spokesman for the Senate Democratic majority, Mike Murphy, said in a statement that the Democrats have not been served with any lawsuit. And he says it's embarrassing, but not surprising, that the Senate Republicans have no understanding of law or the Constitution. Hochul, who had threatened her own lawsuit over the confirmation process through a spokesperson, declined to comment on the court filing. New York State constitutional experts disagree on whether the lawsuit will be successful. Noah Rosenblum, a law professor at New York University, says by his reading of the Constitution, a governor is not entitled to a full Senate vote on a nomination that requires the advice and consent of the Senate. Rosenblum spoke on Albany Public Radio Station WAMC before the lawsuit was announced. The Constitution does not give any gubernatorial nominee a right to a floor vote. So the basic question, if you're going to talk about a lawsuit, is, wait, hold on. 
what exactly is the constitutional right that needs to be asserted here? And I just can't find one. Albany Law School professor Vin Bonventry, also speaking on WAMC and before the lawsuit was filed, disagrees. The state constitution speaks of the governor shall appoint with advice and consent of the Senate. It doesn't say part of the Senate. Even if the court action is successful, there's no guarantee that LaSalle would gain enough votes to be confirmed to be chief judge. GOP senators have not committed to vote for LaSalle and without them, the nominee would likely be rejected. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thanks to Karen DeWitt and New York State Public Radio Exchange for that report. And on to some local news. It's Black History Month, and here on Radio Catskill, we're honoring black history with special programs throughout the month, as well as special interviews on programs like this here on the local edition. Nearly three years have passed since the tragic murder of George Floyd, And following from that was uh, more momentum for the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as former Governor Andrew Cuomo's mandate developed plans for police reform in New York State. So what has changed in those two and a half years, if anything? Sandra Johnson Fields, president of Sullivan County Chapter of NAACP, spoke to Radio Catskills Patricio Rabio on the significance of Black History Month and what has changed and what has stayed the same. Um, what has changed? I think that some of the uh, towns took it very seriously, and they really were all in for looking at a different way of policing communities and looking at making sure the community was involved. So I think it was positive in that respect. Um, what was positive also was that because people um, could be focused and because things were at a standstill, they sort of put a lot of passion into that movement. But once the um, you know everything was lifted, once the we we were able to move around and be free again, so to speak, Um, you know, then people sort of got a little more complacent. Uh, Cuomo, of course, he was, um, you know, resigned from office. And so the the, uh, rush to change things sort of wasn't as uh, high on the priority list for some places who were a little resistant anyway. And because people have started becoming complacent because they're moving around more now, the pressure has not been as severe, even though we still have issues with policing, we still have issues in communities, you know, it's not as um, much passion as it was before. And so uh, I think we have to get back to the table and the drawing board where we're constantly having communications um, with with, um, police departments and with communities. But because it's not first on the governor's priority list, it's a little bit more difficult to get involved like that. But some places have really taken it to heart, and some police departments have made it their own, where they're really doing community policing. And that's all we're looking for, is community policing. While bail reform is not on the governor's top priority right now, as of, as, as of the state of the state she gave recently, but she did mention bail reform and the need to have some changes made to the bail reform law. What are your thoughts on the current state of bail reform here in New York State? I think they have to look at it again. I I mean, it's like anything else. You know, change takes five years to occur if it's consistent. And so when bail reform was first introduced, there were parts of it that uh, were not good because, you know, you have to have the – the judges and the DA have a little bit more leeway than they were having. Part of the bail reform was originally done so that people who were poor and didn't have the finances were not kept in jail 
because of that. Whereas somebody who, who whose parents or who had um, more finances were able to, to post bail. That was the original intent. It was just so that poor people were not kept in bail and kept in jail unnecessarily. And so the other parts of it have to be looked at so that the outcome is still the same, but that people uh, in, in judicial circles have more a little bit more authority to um, make sure that it's being done fairly and to make sure that the changes that they need to make where they have more say-so, they're able to do that. That's part of the problem. It's like almost unilateral, like someone is arrested today for, uh, you know, whatever, and then they're out on the street the next day, and then they do something again, and then they're out on the street the next day. That That's a little bit ridiculous. That's, that's really redundant. They, and so that needs to be addressed. You know, you can't – but it, it's the, it was the first – draft of that law. So, of course, it needs to be refined. The law has been in effect for a while, and you're saying that they should be, the law should be looked at again and see what changes could be made. Right. With the community, though, that's the thing. It needs to be another sit down with the community, you know, and looked at carefully. Absolutely. Sandra, it's Black History Month. What events is the Southern County chapter of the NAACP a part of this year? Yes, well, First Baptist Church of Monticello invited the NAACP um, to um, come to their event, and we were so glad to, be, you know, be a part of their event. They're on 29 Liberty Street in Monticello. They're having dinner, and then uh, they're having, um, you know, uh, uh, the students and different people uh, part of the church to participate and to, you know, show exactly what they've learned about black history or to portray some part of black history. And so that's happening at First Baptist Church and 29 Liberty Street in Monticello on Sunday, February 12th at 2 p.m. So people should come out and really um, be a participant in that event. One of the things I always enjoyed talking to you about is the involvement of community. I saw it firsthand when the police forms talks were happening Southern County chapter of the NAACP got involved with the community to protest in front of the Liberty Police Station to let the voices be heard that they weren't happy how the talks were happening. And that resulted in actual change, that there were more community members now at the table for the NAACP. And you always continue to do that. The elections are coming up. We have school board elections. We have local elections, legislatures, town supervisors coming up. I understand you're going to have this year again some community forums to let folks know who the candidates are. Yes, we definitely want to have a school board forum uh, in the towns because, um, you know, what's happening is we're getting people on these school boards who are really sort of telling teachers what they should and shouldn't teach. And as an educator, that should, you know, that's my profession. That should never happen because educators are nonpartisan and they're just teaching children to have open minds and, and learn about different things. And so we want to make sure that people have access to listen to who's running for these board seats because the local elections is where the rubber meets the road for the towns. They're, they're more important that I think than the, the, the big elections, you know. People pay attention to those big elections because it's very well broadcasted and, you know, you hear everybody's platform, but they don't pay attention to these school board elections. So we're definitely going to have a forum um, the end of April. Um, dates will be coming out soon. And we're also going to have a forum about legislators um, in the other local elections 
um, in the towns in, in October before um, before the election in November. And so people should be listening out, and we'll definitely come back on to give information about what we're doing, and hopefully we'll have them, have them broadcast, because the local elections are extremely important. I definitely do have to agree with you that that how important how important local elections are. You know, we obviously are paying attention to what's happening nationally on those elections because that does also affect us. But I believe that local effect elections affects us so much more. You know, you're deciding what what things are being built in your town. It has an effect on on the amount of taxes you pay. Sometimes, it, you know, all these things do matter to you locally. It matters to your pocketbook you know, in the directly. Exactly. Uh, and you have, and especially during the Black Lives Matters movement, I, I believe, you know, one, one thing I did notice is, is, if you just go back on that real quick, is the voices, what I always hear is this problem, police reform problem, was a city problem, was more of an urban area problem than a small area, rural place like Sullivan County. And I always always hear that that oh, this, this doesn't happen here, you know, this is not a problem. But we'll follow the rules. And what I got from the when I visited to the many protests that I visited during when I went to during the Black Lives Matter movement was the community were saying something opposite. They were saying that no, this is happening here. And I just felt like there was a, a, a complete dismissal of community voices as some some instances, not all instances, in some instances I. Feel that it was a complete dismissal of community voices. Exactly, and we can't act like because we're in a small community that it doesn't affect us because it does. You know, it may not be as um, intense at times, but there are there are other ways that you know these things come out, and so people need to know who's running, what are their thoughts, and uh, you know, especially with the DA as well, because they're the ones who determine you know what cases go to trial and what you know. What, what happens in the courts. And so we need to be at the forefront of that, seeing who we're deciding to put in these seats. It shouldn't just be because you know the person and you know their last name, because that's what happens in these small towns. It should be about, so what do, how are they in line with what I'm thinking? How will they do best for all the residents of the town? And that's what we want to make sure we get in office. So everybody should be listening out for when we hold, we hold these forums. They're very important. Yeah, no, definitely. Getting the information out there to the community. Uh, Sandra, before we go, uh, besides the events happening this month and the election forums are coming up later in the year, uh, what else has the NWCP been working on uh, in, this, in this new year or going to start working on? We're really trying to get um, connected with Sullivan County Community College. A lot of our youth go to that college. And, you know, I always think about, um, because I'm a child of the 70s, how the, the colleges were really involved in seeing that politics was working for them. And so many of our students um, who are go to the schools in um, Sullivan County go to the college. We also have students, a lot of students from New York City. And so we're trying to start a college chapter so that those students can have a voice and can understand, you know, how the government works for them. And also we want to bring new life to Sullivan County. You know, students who, who, um, who go to Sullivan County Community College who live in Sullivan County they end up not staying in Sullivan County because there's no economic base for them to stay and take part in. So we want to cultivate, um, you know, students to think about where they live, to think about how they can be involved in their community, to think about how to make changes so that they 
become entrenched and they want to stay and they want to see it change and they want to make it grow. So that's our latest venture. We're putting a lot of time into that. Sullivan County does face that issue that a lot of young people do leave the county because there's not a lot of opportunities here. I believe that trend is changing now. I think the pandemic changed a little bit. Uh, just new life is coming up here in Sullivan County. I believe that trend is going to change. But there is what's happening is you have the young and you have much older adults and you have this gap in the middle. Right. We're really, we're really working toward that. I went into a, even a high school a few weeks ago. I wanted to um, uh, find out about the students. What would they like to do for a service learning um, project? I went into uh, St. John Street and those, you know, the students came up with is that there is no activity center for teens anywhere in Sullivan County and particularly Monticello. And they were right. Like there's nothing. I asked them, how many of you would stay here um, after high school? Not one of them raised their hand. You know, if we, if, we, if there were things to do, how many of you would stay? Well, a couple of more hands went up because, you know, to them, they can't envision, um, you know, more things in, in the, uh, Sullivan County because there's, they, they've grown up with nothing there. And so we really have to change that dynamic. Absolutely. If folks are interested in getting involved with the Sullivan County chapter of the NAACP, how can they do so? Thank you, Patricio. And we're always looking for members. And if anyone is interested in joining, please contact us through email. And that email is NAACPbranch2187 at gmail.com. NAACPbranch, B-R-A-N-C-H, 2187 at gmail.com. And you can just put um, a membership application and I'll send you all of the information that you need. You can put it to Sandra Johnson and I'll get it. Thank you so much. We were talking to Sandra Johnson Fields, the president of the Sullivan County chapter of the NAACP. Thank you so much for joining us, Sandra, for Black History Month and letting us know with all that's going on in Sullivan County. Thank you, Patricia. I appreciate you so much having us on and I'll speak to you soon. For Radio Catskill, I'm Patricio Robayo. All right. Thank you, Patricio. Thank you, Sandra Johnson-Fields. Thank you for listening. We're going to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, we'll be checking in with Wayne County. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. What I saw when we took to the streets and protested in 2020 was anger. And that anger was absolutely needed, and I think it was justified. But what I did not see was a plan. Solomon Jones, author of the book, Ten Lives, Ten Demands, and a Black Activist's Blueprint for Racial Justice. The Janice Adams Show, Saturday at noon. Welcome back to the local edition news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. And Thursday is the day we spend a, a special look. We take a special look at Northeast Pennsylvania because it's when we check in with Wayne County. And we're going to be taking an even uh, deeper dive into Wayne County, talking about the role and purpose of county government. And Wayne County commissioners have reached out to us because following the property reassessment in Wayne County last year, many folks may have been asking themselves and possibly the county, what do my taxes pay for? Well, 
Wayne County is ready to answer. Today we have the first in what's going to be a five-part series from Wayne County highlighting some of the ways that it invests in the community. To kick off this series, we have Brian Smith, Chairman of the County Commissioners. Brian, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you for having me. So this question, people say, what do my taxes pay for? Is that something you're actually uh, hearing from people? They come into you saying that? I actually hear that very often from people, even my own family members. You know, you sit around a table and people ask you, what do my tax dollars even really do for me? And, you know, you had this reassessment last year. I guess that's what you were you, you were actually hearing from folks when you were doing that, too, right? Yeah, so we would go out and we did uh, three or four different locations, and we talked to large groups of people about the reassessment. And that's one of the things we heard and actually one of the things we recognized. People would talk to us about the fact that we don't repair their roads or we don't put lighting in front of their houses or that we don't supply them with the things that they were supplied with no matter where they moved in from. And it was easy to recognize that people really didn't understand uh, what their county tax dollars do. And I can tell you that I never had a civics class in high school that taught me about what my county does for me. I often uh, remember that, you know, we talked about state government, we talked about federal government, and uh, but nothing ever about taxes and local government and what that actually provides for you. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like it's so close, yet it's so far away. I mean, the local government, I mean, local government is people that we know in the community. They're, they're our neighbors, and they're helping run things, uh, and yet uh, there can be a big gulf between uh, the folks that are sitting in the office trying to make this stuff happen and the, the people who are sitting next door, just as you said, because there's not a lot of information out there. Yeah, so, and, and on a national level, you know, we often talking about our freedoms and we often talking about, uh, you know, how do we defend our freedoms? But, but even locally, uh, if you didn't have local county government and all the different things that we do, uh, and, and the things that your tax dollars provide, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the freedoms that you have. You know, I mean, people need to first begin to appreciate the fact that you live in a community. To have a community and to have a community that has appeal and a quality of life that is really second to none around here in Wayne County, it takes dollars, it takes services, it takes things that the county does to uh, create that atmosphere to where we can all live and appreciate our own freedoms. You know, right here in Wayne County, we want to create a community where harmony and freedom come together so that citizens in our county can achieve the American dream. Uh, we want you to have jobs. We want you to raise your children. We want you to be able to retire here. All those things take services and take attention. And so much goes on behind the scenes to create that that people just aren't aware of. And I think that this series is something that if people will tune in and listen to can give them a little bit of a background and, and help them begin to understand that there's a lot that goes into creating the, the community that we have here in Wayne County. Understanding that that there's a community and one has a role in it, that's also understanding that with freedoms come responsibilities, you know, come come obligations and come system that we're participating in. So let's uh, so let's get into it at least for this first one. Like what uh, out of the gate? What what is it that you want folks to understand about the the role that county government plays in their everyday lives? Well, so first of all, you know that people do pay taxes. One of the myths uh, understandings is. People don't think that uh, the, the summer camps pay tax. They do. People think that those who are renting don't pay tax, but they actually pay tax in a way of a, 
a landlord increasing the rent because the landlord pays tax, you know, and all those things go toward uh, county government in a way of the judicial uh, administration, district attorney, the public defender, the Wayne County Prison, the sheriff's department, uh, the Bureau of Elections, human services, emergency services, our 911 center, the treasurer's office, planning, GIS, recycling, uh, public records management, register of wills, conservation district, veterans affairs. So all these things are put into place so that, you know, um, we don't see children with problems who are dying or, or, or very, very sick or not being taken care of. We don't see crime on our streets. We don't see homelessness on our streets. Uh, if you need an ambulance, you can call. The ambulance shows up in minutes because we know that minutes matter. Um, there's just so many things that go into the fabric of our community that is done behind the scenes and through county government that your dollars actually are working for you every day. You see the effect of that every day. People just don't appreciate and can't tie it together because they don't have the knowledge of how it's tied together. Talking about doing this as a series where you want to get that, you, you know, help people understand that over a course of a series of interviews. And we do this Wayne County check in on Thursdays. Um, what, as we, as we go through this, which departments will be, will we be hearing from over the next few weeks and, and why are, are we going to hear from those departments? Well, so I think the criminal justice department is one of the uh, very first departments that you're going to hear from. And so the criminal justice, I mean, that reaches everybody, right? So it goes from children and youth to domestic relations, to the public defenders, to the district attorneys, and all the things that we do to keep crime down and to keep people protected and keep them in their homes. So I think that's a very important thing that most people don't realize and most people can't connect that to their tax dollars. So, um, you know, above and beyond that, there's corrections. I don't care who you are in this community. You may end up with a family member who makes some poor decisions that ends them up into our correctional facility. That doesn't mean they're bad people. That doesn't mean they can't be corrected. And that's why it's a correctional facility. But a lot goes into that correctional facility to help people get off alcohol, to help people get off drugs, to help people you know, address their anger management. And these people often can come out of there and actually be um, good citizens that get jobs, that can provide for a family and get back into being, uh, uh, you know, an active part of our community where they're a respected member of the community. So, you know, uh, after that, I think the 911 dispatcher we're going to hear about in our, in our emergency operations center, that's something that takes an incredible amount of money. A lot of that money comes from the money that's assessed on your phone lines. But there's also a lot of work that goes into that. And there's people that are dedicated that sit at the other end of the phone and connect you with the emergency services that you may need if you have a fire, if you need police, if you have an ambulance call that you need at your house. You know, I've had a lot of people say to me, well, I never call an ambulance. Well, if you have a grandchild or a grandparent or somebody at a at the table or in a swimming pool and all of a sudden they need help, I'll tell you what, you're going to be very happy that those emergency services are there to save their lives and to connect you with the people that uh, that need help. And then and then human services, I think that's the last of maybe the, the series, but there's a lot of different human services that connect people to their tax dollars. And it starts off with uh, the human services that, again, protect our children. Uh, we have people working in schools through drug and alcohol to keep kids from getting on drugs, uh, prevention. We have people who work to keep them off alcohol. We have people who work to um, 
look at our occupations in our schools and our career pathways in our schools to try to connect kids who have talents who may not be that four-year student to help the schools identify. Here's a career pathway where these kids can help get, uh, you know, out of high school into a career, be a productive member of the community. They're not buried in debt, but they have some great jobs. And, uh, you know, so I'll use myself as a as an example here, I have six children. All of them live and work in Wayne County. Their their husbands and wives live and work in Wayne County. There's opportunity here, and it's opportunity that's been created for them. All of them have children. I have 16 grandchildren. Those grandchildren are all being educated here in Wayne County, and I cannot wait to see how they uh, take advantage of the opportunity that's been created for them. And 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 raise their children and spend their lives working in Wayne County and hopefully they can all retire here and uh and that's the last part of it is aging you know and human services so from A to Z we're trying to help people we're trying to not only create opportunity for the young and the people who want to work but to have that job buy that car build that home be here in Wayne County and retire here and really enjoy uh, your retirement so you know there's again uh this isn't a five-minute conversation. That's why I <laughs> no. appreciate so much that you're willing to do a series. And it really would take, uh, you know, many, many segmented series to really cover all the things that we do in Wayne County. But this will begin to help people appreciate what we do here. All right. Well, it's Brian Smith, Chairman of the County Commissioners of Wayne County, kicking off this series of conversations where we'll be exploring different departments in Wayne County and what exactly is done on behalf of the people of Wayne County. Brian, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, I thank you for the time on the air because it's critical for us to get information out to the people that we're accountable to. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Thank you, sir. Well, that's going to do it for the local edition tonight. News and information keeping you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Radio Catskill. Stay tuned. Coming up, we've got Ramble Tamble with John Gordon. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. You're listening to Radio Catskill. Public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania.